I'm not going to go way back, just kind of way back. I was born and raised in Southern California in the United States, just above Los Angeles in a little beach town. It's called San Buenaventura, or Ventura for short. To say I have a deep love for my hometown is kind of an understatement. I love this place. I mean, I, I fucking love it here. Of all the places I've been, this is far and above my favorite place to be. And for me, it is absolute paradise. I grew up in a Christian home. Mom was. Dad wasn't really until later in life. My mom's faith was never overbearing to me. She had a good compass. She never made me feel judged, even later with my loud music and mohawks. I was a Christian youth group kid. I went to church all the time, but not because of my mom. I actually wanted to all the time. I was the only one that really latched onto it in my family. It was comfortable and safe there. I could be, you know, the clown, even more of a clown and still be accepted. I really loved summer camp. That was even better because I could even clown it up more there. So good. And there were lots of girls. I feel sorry for those guys that were my counselors. Gosh, man, what a little shit. At the same time, I was really interested in not just listening to music, but playing it. It was just selfish. I love the attention it commanded. I love being in front of crowds and, you know, girls. Music could be anything you wanted. It was a way to express yourself without rules, kind of. Later on, I'd find out that there were definitely some serious rules if you wanted to be in a Christian band. But back then, I had a romance with music, listening to it, going to shows, trying to play it. It was, it was rebellious. It was maybe a little dangerous. It made me think. It could be complicated. It could be simple. I was in love. But I was a Christian, which caused major problems in that part of my life. Music that wasn't Christian was a tool of the devil, but Christian music sucked. So I was in a really bad spot. I went to a public high school, so I'd hear about secular music or worldly music. Punk rock, college indie rock bands. I'd see stickers. Somebody drew something on their notebook or something. My sister would bring home really cool music and play it from her room. Before Facebook, you know, MySpace, before GeoCities and modems and cell phones, even before pagers, we'd find out about music from our friends or record stores. If you lived in the LA area, you could get a signal from KROQ, which was like our alternative rock radio station when there really wasn't those in the country. All of the new stuff was played there. I had friends that would tape it because up in Ventura, where I lived, it was hard to get a signal from there. So we would catch it and tape it so we could hear the bands. But truly, I was mostly a wannabe when it came to listening to the great bands of the time. I really just wanted to seem cool, I think. <laughs> I didn't realize the amazing things happening in so many genres of music around me because I was still caught up and determined to find the alternate to the evil music of the world. Back at that time, the Christian evangelical community were in the middle of this satanic panic which look it up online and there was backward masking and, and backward masking was a big deal that swept the nation. It was a time when people believed you could hear satanic messages. If you played some secular records backwards, Christian celebrities of the time, like Bob Larson and Mike Warnke, the, those guys were claiming satanic ritual abuses were taking over the United States. Satan was everywhere you turned. It was a huge deal that seized the United States there for a while. 
I remember watching my dad's old Elvis Beatles and Doors vinyl records getting destroyed. So Christian parents were from that kind of hyper paranoid evangelical community in the 70s and 80s, especially down here in Southern California. Think Dungeons and Dragons. And if you were a Christian youth group kid, you had rules to abide by when it came to listening to music that wasn't Christian. It was kind of one of those garbage in, garbage out things that they'd always tell you. Whatever you're listening to, you're putting out there. So don't put that stuff in you. What you need is God music. So what better way to fight evil than to listen to and only be in Christian bands? And let's spread it around the world while we're at it. It's a war, goddammit. It's good against evil. It was the only way to keep a balance in the force. There wasn't a place to sign up, but if there was, sign me up. It's interesting to me that it's the first time I can remember feeling the need... Like, I really felt the need to expose other people to Christian alternative. And that would follow me through my entire career. I bought in, man. I was all in. It was from then on that I would only be in Christian bands and spread Christian music wherever I could. However, I didn't know it then, but it would set into motion a divide in me. I immediately locked into this us versus them mentality, a war I had made up in my head. That divide would shape my spiritual and professional journey for years and years to come, and it would come back to haunt me. So as a kid, I kept mostly to underground Christian music. It was really scarce back then, so I loved discovering it. That was really fun as well. I especially loved finding stuff that sounded just like the secular stuff. It was like a piece of artillery for the good versus evil musical war that was happening everyone come on i was spoiled living in southern california it was the epicenter for new underground christian music in the early 80s my youth pastor hated me because well i was a loudmouth shit but i would also bring in all sorts of my weird christian underground music that i would find and i'd play it before the youth group started he, as well as most youth pastors at the time, liked the contemporary Christian stuff, whether that be rock or pop. So whatever they liked usually was played at youth group meetings and events or whatever they deemed was safe. So the kids liked that kind of music because it was the only thing the youth pastor would play for them. Plus, you had the rules on top of it, which said, don't listen to anything else. So listen to this. It was really interesting to see the power that a youth pastor had over the popular music of the day. It was a weird marketing thing. In the future, as I got in the industry with my own bands, I saw the power that the youth pastor had over what the kids were listening to. It was quickly used by the marketing companies to push certain bands. When I was in youth group, it was music like Amy Grant, Petra, Michael W. Smith. The metal band Striper was like really pushing it at that point. My youth pastor stopped letting me play the music because it was too weird. I hated that. I remember that really pissing me off. I didn't like that he wouldn't expose everyone else to these types of styles that I brought into him. They were all Christian. I realized the church needed a lesson in music and I was going to be the one to deliver it. So I suddenly find myself in this war against the forces of evil and music. And when I stood to fight, I turned around and saw the church didn't stand up with me. Very few churches or Christians then did. So now I find myself in a two-faced war, one against the forces of musical evil across the world and one against the lame pastors that were making musical decisions for teenagers and, you know, not letting them express themselves with like clothes and hair and earrings and music and shit. But how was I to rebel against both while maintaining my religion? 
Well, I like the double edge of that. I really wanted to be a Christian punk if there was such a thing. Not like musically speaking, as much as anti-establishment on both sides. Fuck them all. But I was more of a joke than I ever was a punk. Kids at school called me preacher, which I didn't mind. I never quite fit in with any of the punks at my school. I remember <laughs> having the, you know, the cool punk guy, the top guy, make fun of my mohawk at school one day. That sucked. I do remember turning a few of them on to some Christian underground stuff and punk rock that I liked, and I even saw some of them at some of the shows I went to, but I still wasn't cool enough to be in their group. A friend of mine that went to the same church and youth group and I started a band called Limited Time. Yeah, like, we have limited time before Jesus comes back and Armageddon starts. That. But I didn't know how to play anything, and I wanted to be in front, so I attempted to sing in our band, and I was not at all successful. My friend's name was Jeff Atchison. He was the responsible guy. He had a car to use, or maybe it was his. I don't remember, but he had an amp, and he played guitar already really good. He knew all, like, all the U2 songs. He gave me my first chord chart, which I still have, and I'll put online. We played a few shows. One was at my youth group, and I remember, you know, this little small audience that were in their chairs and rows in my downstairs youth room. No one was allowed to get up and do anything. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> I was terrible, but it was awesome. We even had this little green room before the show down the hall that was like a kindergarten playroom or something oh man that was awesome because we were like separated you cool we had a logo that my mom's friend designed for us we had our own logo limited time so you have a t so it had this giant cross in the middle of it yeah i even made stickers and a t-shirt i think this was 1985 and that was no easy task i remember feeling great i wish i had video to see how ridiculous i was I remember Jeff and I and the band played a backyard party with another band and had way too many people come. Like, you know, you have that party that's, there's too many people here and the cops are coming. This was way, way too many people. The police did come and break it up. I was proud that my band had drawn so many people. There were flyers. I think I still have a flyer I'll post. I think that guy's still mad at me. I saw him at my high school reunion and I think he said something about it. <laughs> I had no idea at that time I'd be doing the same thing many, many years later. As a Christian music fan, I went to every show that I could. Most were in Orange County, which is south of Los Angeles, and I'm north of Los Angeles. And Orange County's probably two plus hours, depending on traffic down here. It's like a world away, even now. At the time, I was listening to bands from Orange County like Undercover, Altar Boys, The Choir, Mike Knott, Crucified. Well, Crucified was from Fresno, but Vengeance, Nobody Special. I was trying to get my hands on anything and everything. I would go to shows and buy whatever merch I could from any alternative or underground, a punk band, met some types of metal, not all types of metal. The crowning event was New Year's Eve celebration at Knott's Berry Farm in Anaheim. It's a big amusement park next door to Disneyland. Absolutely legendary lineups and concerts. One night, 7 p.m. to 2 a.m. It was like a festival before there were those kinds of festivals we have now. It was my heaven. Everything, one place. Killer. It was Mecca. I would beg friends that had cars to go to shows everywhere. Understand that not only did I need a friend with a car that would take me, but one that had a car that would make it over the Conejo grade. 
The Canal Grade is a part of our freeway down here that winds through a, a hilly pass. It's not so much a mountain pass. It's a pretty steep incline. And back in my day, cars would overheat on this grade, especially ones that when you're 16 years old, you could afford or your parents would let you drive. There was even this little pullover area where you could fill your car up with cold water halfway up. It's not a mountain, but, you know, back then it felt like that. When you're in a 1967 Toyota Corona with the heat cranked in the middle of summer to hopefully get yourself up and over this hill and keep the engine from overheating, that's, you know, that's what we're talking about. If I could get over that grade, L.A. and Orange County was mine. I was showbound. So it was all about that. I went to so many shows that I started to get to know band members. At one point, I befriended Tony, the drummer from a band that I was a huge fan of called Nobody Special, and we'll get into that in a second. Meanwhile, I got my first taste of helping with a concert. I found this church in the next city over that started to do concerts. It was a vineyard church. Vineyard is like a brand of evangelical Christian churches. Think, you know, like a chain of restaurants. Sorry, no offense, but basically that. Vineyard churches were birthed out of music and had a pretty open door about doing concerts then. And so I went over and helped out with a couple. And then somehow I convinced them to have a band called The Crucified Play. I think I had connected with Jim Chaffin at one of the concerts or something. Well, I may have just called them from their merch sheet or a cassette or something. <laughs> It was successful. The Crucified came and played. It was awesome because the show was interrupted by local Nazi skinheads, which were kind of problematic back then. And, you know, at our age, we never thought that they would show up in a church, but they did. And the cool thing was Mark, the singer, he was magical that day. He won't remember this, but I do. These guys came in and were so aggressive to the kids that weren't expecting it that were, you know, just kind of bopping around at this, this concert, these skinheads came in and meant business. And Mark had stopped the music a couple of times to say, Hey, chill out. Cause you know, there was no one there that knew what they were doing in the context of skinheads coming to a punk rock concert, a Christian one at a church. So these guys keep getting more aggressive. And instead of stopping again, Mark put the microphone down the band kept playing. He just got in there with them on their level completely and said, I'm, I'm here. This doesn't bother me. And I, that meant something to me. I really enjoyed that. I was really proud of connecting the band with the people putting the shows on at the church. I, I loved that I did that. And that set me off onto wanting to do that more. During that same time, I also tried out for another band looking for a bass player in my town. Uh, my town wasn't real alternative at that point, or underground wasn't a big thing here. But I was hired after one audition with these guys. It was like a mainstream rock band, Christian rock band. I wasn't crazy about it, but the guys in the band were super cool, and they were way better musicians than me. It was weird. They were like another league. And their leader, Sean Collins, said that they chose me not for my musical ability, which was like, duh, but because they liked me. And so he took a chance on me and he taught me a ton because this guy just, he played everything and he really taught me about rhythm and watching a drummer. And I did return the favor by taking him to play in Russia many years later. I'll talk about that on another podcast for sure. The band that we were in together was called The Outcry. One of the crowning moments there was I got to play with a band called The 
Alter Boys. We opened for them, and oh my gosh, I was that was cloud nine for me. As a music fan, I was going to a ton of concerts. I went and saw a band called Nobody Special play so many times that at their shows I would get up and sing one of their songs. It was this song called Dissertation. The lyrics are blah, 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 literally that blah, 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 blah. And I would get up and do that like a clown. But they got to know me a little bit and I got to get in contact with the drummer, Tony, and uh, I found out that Nobody Special's bass player was out. This is Nobody Special. I mean, they, they had a record out, they're on a label. This is my dream. I can't believe, first of all, that I'm up on stage singing this song with these guys and then now they don't have a bass player. Well, I'm in a band right now, but I'd like to try out for these guys. So I somehow got Tony to set up an audition for me and he did. And I was shocked. I couldn't believe I was going to go try out for this signed Christian punk rock band. So I was told to learn the entire record and be ready to rehearse. And I promise you, I spent every second of the day figuring that record out and learning it backwards and forward. And again, I'm not a good musician at all still, but I learned that record. The time came, so I packed up what I had. I had my black Kramer bass. It had this killer custom white tape I put on it. I think it was like plumbing tape or something. I had a little tiny PVPA. It was like these stacks. There's four speakers stacked vertically in a cabinet and they were small <laughs> and a little PA head to the top of it. And that's what I used for my bass amp and this other band I was in, The Outcry. And I took that and headed down to the audition at a rehearsal studio down in LA somewhere. I can't remember where that was. I'd like to find out. I'm sure somebody knows. So I'm unloading my gear and I'm around uh, Tony, I think, or somebody. I'm, I'm unloading into the room. And Pat, the singer, comes walking up, talking to one of the other guys, and he's smoking a cigarette. And he said to, said to them something about somebody dicking somebody over or something like that. I don't remember what he said, but he was cussing and smoking. And I never thought in a million years that a Christian guy in a Christian band with records out could be like that. Until that moment, I had set all of my Christian music superheroes on a very, very high pedestal. That killed that illusion for me, for sure. But it also opened the door for me to be myself. The band practiced so loud that my PA amp wasn't loud enough by any stretch, but I played my fucking heart out and I got the job. This was unbelievable to me. I got it. I'm in a signed Christian band. I can't believe this. I was told there'd be a photo shoot soon. A photo shoot? Are you kidding? We're going to, I'm going to be in a photo? Well, it wasn't soon enough for me. My bubble was burst pretty quick because their bass player came back and I was out. I didn't even get a phone call. I just heard about it. I don't remember how I heard about it. But I, maybe I didn't, I didn't ever receive another phone call was the thing. <laughs> My dream was shattered, but I got to try out and I was in the band for a day. So I was in the band Nobody Special for one day. But that really gave me the itch to be in a signed band of my own. 
So back at home in Ventura, I had quit my previous band to join Nobody Special, and now I didn't even have that to go back to. It wasn't the music I wanted to do anyway, so I was okay with it, but I was in a really shitty place back then in all areas of my life at that point. So my parents, who had moved up to Oregon a couple of years before that, contacted me and asked if I wanted a job and to move up. And I literally thought that my short-lived musical career and concert promoter dreams were over. I was going to work on small businesses with my stepdad in a little town in the sticks outside of Portland, Oregon. So I packed my truck with a couple of boxes and my base with that killer white plumbing tape on the edges. And I headed for Oregon. I had no idea moving to Oregon would change my life so much and so quickly. Two kids, two marriages, bands, clubs, houses, festivals, a bunch of communities, connections, friendships still. What seems like an entire world was made. I'll talk about that next time. I hope you guys are well. Be good to each other. Cheers from Southern California.